listening to Give Me the Bible with Len. Today's topic is entitled Love Links. Hello, my radio friends. It's great that you've joined me again to hear more from the Book of Books, the Bible. In this day and age, practically anyone, if they want to, could own a Bible. During the Dark Ages, and in some places during the Protestant Reformation, to own a Bible meant risking one's life. Many good people were murdered and tortured when it was discovered by the ruling hierarchy that those people had a Bible. As bad, or even worse than that, those scholars who translated the Bible into the native languages did so at the risk of their own lives. One such translator was William Tyndale, who translated the Bible into English. He was murdered courtesy of the dominant Roman Catholic Church. Of course, there are places now, and usually Muslim-dominated countries, where religious intolerance is severe, and to own a Bible there is also a life hazard. Today, I want to share with you on the subject of love links. Do you know what a Venn diagram is? Here's a brief explanation. Imagine four circles where the edge, that's the circumference of each circle, overlaps the circumference of the others. Where the circles overlap looks like a flower with four petals. With regard to today's topic, each full circle represents something and the petal-shaped sections represent something the adjoining circles have in common. You could imagine those bits to represent links. So what do you think the circles represent? One represents God the Father. The second represents God the Son, that is, God the Word. And the third, God the Holy Spirit. And the fourth represents human beings. The in-between bits the links are love. More about that later. In the English Bible, we only have one word for love, and that's love. But love has four different meanings in the Greek from which the New Testament was translated. They are eros, agape, stoja, and filio. Eros means sexual love. Agape is where respect, concern and well-being for others is demonstrated. Filio is brotherly love. And lastly, stoja is family security love. Some biblical, biblical examples would be Isaac loved Rebecca. 
That's probably a mix of erotic love and stoja love. Agape love is the selfless, tender love God has for human beings. Filio love would be the kind of love that existed between David and his good friend Jonathan. Stoja love would be the kind of love that Jacob, also known as Israel, had for his sons, especially Joseph and Benjamin. Firstly, we'll consider the love link between God the Father and God the Son, Jesus. In the Gospel of John, chapter 10 and verse 34, Jesus said to the stone-hearted Jewish leaders, My Father and I are one. And a little later, as recorded in verse 38, Jesus said, The Father is in me, and I in the Father. You can easily understand that the Father loved the Son, Jesus, and vice versa. But added to that in 1 John 4.16, there is a short but profound statement that says, God is love. That's describing the character, the nature of God, both God the Father and God the Son and, of course, God the Holy Spirit. Both Father and Son are the same. Both are characterized by love, not just for humanity, but each other as well. So the love link between the two circles representing the Father and the Son is easily comprehensible. If there was not a bond of love between God the Father and God the Son, there would be no common purpose and each would be competing with the other. But fortunately, such is not the case. Now we will look at the link between God the Father and mankind. The Apostle John had much to say about this. 1 John chapter 3 starts out by saying, How great is the love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. In 1 John 4.19, there's an expansion on the previous verse. The Apostle says, We love him, that's the Father, because he first loved us. Some people want some special demonstration of love. They say, how can God be a God of love if he punishes the wicked? But God cannot have a continual deluge of sin in the universe. So there has to be a cut-off point. The wicked have to be eliminated. Otherwise, the pollution of sin will exist forever. God doesn't want that, and I don't want it either. None of us would want to live forever in an environment of crime, disrespect for others, murder, theft, violence, 
abuse and lawlessness. That would be no better than what we currently have in this sick and dying world. But there is a second issue at stake. Those who claim that God has set aside a place, commonly known as hell, where the wicked supposedly are tortured by burning them for eternity, must have a warped idea of the character of God. That kind of punishment far outweighs the crime. The punishment would be so unjust that God could well be described as being a sadistic, heartless tyrant whose sentence of punishment is far worse than the sins of those being punished. God's love is expressed not just by tender acts of mercy, but by the fact that God gave mankind a choice, a choice to accept him or a choice to reject him. To give a choice to mankind and then to eternally punish people because they rejected him by using that choice is an anathema, a complete contradiction. But God is not like that. Yet there are many Christian groups who hold on to the burning forever and hellfire false doctrine. Theirs is an absurd understanding of the meaning of eternal punishment and more particularly about the nature of God. I've told you several times before that as a child I grew up on a farm. From time to time we had animals that were sick or injured and had to be put to death. The act of killing them was an act of mercy, otherwise they would have lingered on in pain and suffering. Here's a little story to illustrate. The school I attended was about 30 kilometres from our home, and I travelled there by school bus. One day, about 10 kilometres from Cambrai, where I went to school, a farmer's dog ran onto the road and hit the front wheel of the school bus. The dog lay whimpering on the road with a huge sheet of skin torn from its side. So, did the farmer put the dog in a pen and tip salt and petrol over its wound? Did he get a whip and keep whipping the dog on its injured side? Did he get a sharp stick and keep poking the dog because it had been so stupid as to tackle a school bus? No, that would have been totally inhumane. The dog was shot and put out of its misery. So it will be with God's dealing with wicked unforgiven sinners. They will be punished and destroyed by fire, but it will be quick and complete. God the Father's love for mankind is powerfully expressed by the statement of Jesus, as recorded in the Gospel of John chapter 3 and verse 16, where the Bible says, 
For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal everlasting life. Those who accept God's love for them will be given eternal life, <clears throat> but those who don't will perish. They will cease to exist, and that state of being will never change. It will stay that way for eternity. Could God, the Father's love for human beings, be demonstrated in any more effective way than that Jesus was given in order to save us? I don't think so. So what about the link of love from God the Son, Jesus, to human beings? The answer is found in Romans chapter 5 verse 8 where it says, While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. There is no greater demonstration of love than this. The most valuable possession anyone has is life. Anyone who gives his life to save someone else's life has ultimate love, that is, love to the very highest degree. The love of God the Father and God the Son is agape love. God gave to save. We're going to have a little break here and then straight afterwards we're going to talk about what about the love of mankind back to God. The snow white dove, he sends his pure sweet love a sign from above, sign from above. On the wings of a dove When troubles surround us When evils come The body grows weak, body grows weak. The spirit grows, spirit grows numb When these things beset us he doesn't forget us. He sends down his love. On the wings of a dove. On the wings of a snow white dove. He sends his pure sweet love. A sign from above. On the wings of a dove. When Noah had on the flood many days He searched for land, he searched for land In various ways. various ways Troubles he had some But wasn't forgotten He sent him his love, sent him his love. On the wings of a dove on the wings of a snow white dove He sends his pure sweet love A sign from above On the wings of a dove On the wings of a snow white dove He sends his pure sweet love A 
from above On the wings of the dove Wings of the dove On the wings of the dove Wings of the dove On the wings of the dove Now, what about the love of mankind back to God? There are a number of statements in the scriptures about this. God demonstrated his love for us in ways I've just explained. But how does man demonstrate his love to God? Jesus said about himself, If you love me, keep my commandments. And that's found in John chapter 14 verse 23. In other words, Jesus was saying, The proof of your love to me is to do what I require you to do. How does my wife know that I love her? I do the things she wants. That doesn't mean that I'm her slave, that she rules over me like some tyrant. But I do put the toilet lid down because that's what she wants. I don't walk inside with muddy boots soiling the carpet because she would be unhappy with me if I did that. If there's something special she wants me to do for her, I do it because I want to please her because I love her. And it's no different with the Lord. We choose to honour him and to demonstrate our love and appreciation for him by doing what he says. In Luke 11 verse 28 is another statement to the same effect. It says, Blessed are those who hear the word of God and obey it. It's as simple as that. You've probably heard me mention from time to time that I'm part of a group of sincere Protestant men who meet together weekly to study the Bible. There are discussion groups and later a lecture by the overall leader. The men are encouraged to study their Bible according to a set format but they are also encouraged to read their Bibles every day. The strange thing is that there are some straightforward, no compromise statements in the Bible, such as the Ten Commandments, yet many of these men do not keep all those commandments, although they say they love the Lord. It's an irregularity that they claim to love the Lord, yet do not obey what he says. When God's word gives a clear instruction, and we avoid that instruction or alternatively put something else in its place, that doesn't demonstrate our love for God. It demonstrates our own self-will and selfishness. So what does the Bible say about the link of love between humans and God the Father? 1 John 5.2 explains how that love to God is demonstrated. It says, This is how we know that we love the children of God, by loving God and carrying out his commands. Then, in case anyone missed that point, Verse 3 goes on to say, This is love for God to obey his commands. 
Can it be any clearer than that? Perhaps only this. We read it in 1 John chapter 2, verses 3 to 5. It says, We know that we have come to know him if we obey his commands. The man who says, I know him, but does not do what he commands is a liar. Yes, a liar. And the truth is not in him. But if anyone obeys his word, God's love is truly made complete in him. There are people who call those who maintain that it is imperative for true Christians to keep God's commandments legalists. They say that these so-called legalists are trying to win favour with God and to earn a place in his kingdom by keeping his commandments. Now that's a load of baloney. We keep God's commandments because we love him. We are grateful for what he's done for us. We keep his commandments because he saves us, not in order to become saved. Salvation is a gift that cannot be earned. This accusation of legalism is often directed at those who keep the seventh-day Sabbath as outlined in the fourth commandment in Exodus 20, verses 8 to 11. But I'd like to point out that these same accusers do keep the other commandments. If so, aren't they then also legalists? It's a pretty dumb argument to say that someone is a legalist because he or she keeps all the commandments when the persons who do the name-calling also keep some of the commandments. That's just like, as the old saying goes, the pot calling the kettle black. Both are the same colour. There's no difference. Lastly for today, what does the Bible say about love, human to human? How is that love expressed? The first indicator of human-to-human love is expressed in the Ten Commandments, especially in the last six. Those laws express how we should treat each other and how we should expect to be treated. They provide a standard of living. But that love and respect is also expressed in other terms. I'll string some verses together to give the answer. The verses are from 1 John chapter 3, verse 11, 16, 18 and 23. And this is what it says. This is the message you heard from the beginning. We should love one another. This is what we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives, that is, to put aside our own interests, for our brothers. Dear children, let us not love with words or tongue, but with actions and in truth. And this is his command, to believe in the name of his Son, Jesus Christ, and to love one another as he has commanded us. The kind of love humans are to express to other humans is agape love mixed with filio love. It's not 
kissy, kissy, lovey, dovey love, but it is to be respectful, helpful, and kind to others, to treat them as we ourselves like to be treated. It's to be honourable, selfless, interested love. It is to be characterised with goodness and willingness to be inconvenienced for the sake of others. In John 13.35, Jesus defined who his people are. He said, By this all men will know that you are my disciples, that you love one another. So, how do you fare? Your love links demonstrate who you are. By all the indicators I've shared from God's word with you today, do they show you to be a Christian? Do they show you what Christians should be like? Now, they say that money makes the world go round, but I'd like to suggest that love makes the world go round much better. You may have heard something like this, for love or money, I cannot think of the answer. Both love and money are important, but I'd much rather live with love than money. What about you? My friends, we must stop. So until next time, I wish you much joy and peace and especially love. Savior, I